0: I've told all my troubles goodbye, Goodbye to each tear and each sigh. This world where I
1: Let's take our Bibles today, turn over to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Again, we have a new theme, our theme, of course, Fight the Good Fight. Fight the Good Fight. You can see the the banners up front and, of course, um, on the front of the bulletin as well, Fight the Good Fight. And uh, as we go through um, this year, we're going to continually try to remind ourselves, reinforce that thought again, I guess. And um, I'm going to do that in a couple of ways. But number one, I'm going to do that by sharing three mini series through the course of the year. We're going to start the first mini series this Sunday. It'll only be three weeks long. And uh, we're going to look at Fight the Good Fight <clears throat> as a Steward. Then we're going to look later on the year, Fight the Good Fight as a Servant. And then finally, Fight the Good Fight as a Soldier. And so the first three are going to be on stewardship. And today we're going to begin our journey in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, of course, with our theme verse. Fight the good fight of faith, <clears throat> lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Again, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, <laughs> And that's professed a good profession before many witnesses. Again, our theme, fight the good fight. So our first message or series begins with stewardship. And we want to address this topic under stewardship today, time. We want to talk about time today. So let's go ahead and take our Bible, look over at the book of First Corinthians to start off with. As we consider stewardship... <clears throat> We must have a real understanding of stewardship as a believer, first of all. We want to understand this concept of stewardship. (coughs) We begin with a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 2. So before we really dig into time, let's look at what it means to be a steward at all. Let's just understand that the Bible teaches that every one of us are stewards. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If we're going to be good stewards, we have to be faithful. Faithful. In so many areas. In so many areas. In every area, we have to be faithful. It's so imperative and it's so important. Now, I want you to look over at 1 Chron- uh, Chronicles in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to begin there in verse... One and we're just going to read just one verse, by the way. Too, we're not going to read a bunch of verses. 1 Chronicles chapter twenty-eight verse one. Stewardship. What is stewardship? We know where to be stewards. We know where to be faithful. But what else does it incur? What really is stewardship? And uh, let's take a look at that. In 1 Chronicles, I think we have probably the most, um, I guess, the best passage to define what being a steward really is. And I want to share it with you. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards. <clears throat> now notice, <clears throat> the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king and of his sons, with his officers, with the mighty men, with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Notice the stewards. They're over all the substance and possession of the king. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God we're stewards of the mysteries of God in 1 Corinthians 4:1 1. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says and every man hath received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God good stewards of the manifold grace of God now again it's important to understand as we look at these three passages we can note that stewardship is nothing, uh, uh, as a steward i should say or being a steward Implies that we have nothing that is called our own. Again, in the passage, he says that the stewards were over all the substance and possession of the king. In First Corinthians four, he says they're stewards of the mysteries of God. Here, they're in Peter, they're uh, good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So they're stewards of something of God's. They're stewards of whoever, uh, say the, the the king, and we know that as. Uh, People of God, we we are serving the king. We are stewards unto him as well. Everything that we have, all of our possessions, anything of any value, anything of any substance, is really God's. We are just simply stewards of his things. And so we see here that we're stewards. That's what a steward is. A steward has nothing to call their own. Nothing to call their own. You say, well, I have my health. It's really... Is it yours, or is it something God gives you? Well, I have my money. Is it yours, or is it something God permitted you and enabled you to acquire? Is it, is it really ours, or is it God's in our possession as stewards to care for and to take care of? I mean this is what we see here in the passage is that these stewards took care of the substance and the possession of the king. We have a king in heaven as well. He shares with us some substance and possessions and he says care for them for me. Be stewards for me. <clears throat> Joseph was a tremendous steward of those who he worked for or the possessions of his master. We think of him being sold into slavery. In the book of Genesis, he ends up in Potiphar's house. There in Potiphar's house, he's placed over the possessions of Potiphar. Look, if you will, over there in the book of Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Joseph, a tremendous character in the Bible, one Uh, that can truly encourage us, help us, especially young people as they consider their life and their commitment, their loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a young man that stayed faithful in the midst of hardship and heartache. Uh, Genesis chapter 39. I want you to look there in verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, talking about Joseph and, of course, his master being Potiphar. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had he put into his hand. Now, are these Joseph's possessions? Absolutely not. They're not Joseph's finances. They're not Joseph's property. They're not Joseph's um, household goods. No, no, he is simply a steward over Potiphar's possessions. He's a steward now. Notice he goes on in verse 6. Well, let's read verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And I'll tell you what, that's a trusting master. He didn't even know what he had. He just trusted Joseph to take good care of his possessions and substance. The bible I don't know if that's a good idea. But anyway, moving on. <coughs> anyway, and Joseph was a godly, a goodly person and well favored. Again, we see that uh, situation there. Joseph is a steward of Potiphar's substance and possessions. Notice that later on in Genesis 41 now, he ends up in Pharaoh's house. Chapter 41, verse 39. Excuse me. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shewed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Remember, he interpreted a dream for the king. And now the king is impressed with Joseph. He was in jail just a few moments ago, but now here he is before the king. And the king's going to elevate him. The king's going to ultimately place him into a place of stewardship. Notice he goes on here in verse 40. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in thy th- the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land Of Egypt, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt again he becomes a steward of Pharaoh the king his possessions and his substance. Joseph did not own those possessions. They were not his. He was simply a steward of them. He cared for them. And you know what? That's exactly what you and I are today in relationship to God. We are stewards of his possessions and his substance, and we are to care for those things as though they were our very own. Joseph fulfills the principle of a steward mightily uh, very well, and he does a good job of it. And again, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, the Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Joseph was a faithful man, not just with his own things, but with those things that he was steward of. And so we see that we as stewards ought to be faithful as well. Now... You and I are stewards of God's heritage. That's as simple as it is. There is nothing that is really ours. Everything in our lives is God's, and we are simply the stewards over all His substance and possessions. Now again, you and I are going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account of what and how we have handled His possessions and His substance. Someone says, well, I worked for that money. I built that house. I i know, but hold on. You have no strength, no health without God. Amen. He could take our breath away just like that. He could end our life today. The fact is any energy I have, any ability I have, any intellect I have, is all a, a direct result of Him in my life, working in my life. Right. Amen. <clears throat> I'm simply a steward and so are you of the possessions God has entrusted into our care. If you are athletic, God has entrusted those abilities into your hands. If you have a good voice, God has entrusted that ability into your hands. If you have a good, uh, a very, you're very intelligent, you're very capable, you're very smart, guess what, God gave you that. Now, how are you going to use that? Are you going to be careful with it? Are you going to care for it? Are you going to, to be very careful in understanding that it's God's really on loan to you, or placed in your possession to care for. If you have children, God has given them to you as, an, as stewards. They're not yours, they're His. They're on loan to you. Uh, that spouse that you love so much, I trust, <laughs> I hope, uh, you make sure you know, understand that that spouse is on loan to you. That's not your property, that's God's property. You're simply a steward of it. Everything we have is God's. And we biblically and scripturally are simply stewards of it. He said, Boy, you're ramming that home. You're cramming that down our throat. Yes, because it's a biblical principle that once grasped, understood, will affect every decision that you make in your life. Amen. It'll affect how you view life. It'll affect how you view the world. It'll affect how you view your family, how you view yourself. It will make a complete difference in how you live your life. <clears throat> Clovis Chapel, a 19th century minister, he used to tell a very interesting story about two paddle boats. And I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again, but these two boats were powered by coal. They left Memphis and they were headed down to New Orleans. I don't know how you say that. Can somebody tell me New Orleans or New Orleans? Okay, there you go. That settled it for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, that settled it. Thank you. That, that was perfect. Alright, we'll move on. Thank you. So anyway... <laughs> they're tra- they're, tra- they're traveling down the Mississippi and um, they're headed down there to that place and um, they're they're traveling side by side for the moment you know and and the sailors from one vessel are kind of being a little critical of the one beside them you know oh, your boat 's so slow, look at that thing that thing couldn 't cut through water if it you know uh, you put knives out front, or whatever. I don't know. You know, they're just saying all kind of stuff. They're they're making jokes and cracks and stuff about the snail pace of that one, and this sna- this one can't fly, go very fast, and so forth, and so on. Finally, the words got kind of heated. They started getting kind of derogatory, kind of negative, really kind of mean and nasty about it. And finally, uh, the, the, a challenge kind of arose. Okay, okay, we're going to see which boat can get down to that place faster. And so the race began. And uh, the competition was hot. It was heavy. I mean, they were going at it. And those two boats just roared down the Mississippi. I mean, they were flying down there as fast as they possibly could, right into the deep south. And eventually, one of the boats began to fall behind. The problem was, they didn't have enough fuel. There had been plenty of fuel, of course, to make the trip down the river at a proper pace. The problem was, they didn't intend, nor did they plan on, racing down the Mississippi River. And so one of the young men got this idea. He got thinking, wait a second, we, we need to fuel fuel the, the fire. We've got to keep this thing heated up. We've just got to get that done. We're never going to win this race. And he started taking some of the cargo that he thought wasn't very important, things that weren't very necessary. They were boxed in crates and wood, breaking them up, throwing that wood into that fire. They got throwing things into the fire, heating it up. Man, they would make their way forward. That other one would start to fall behind. Then they moved up forward and then back and forth and back and forth all the way down to New Orleans. But they burned up their cargo in the process. They won the race. They won the race. But the price for victory was expensive. It cost them literally the cargo. I mean, the very reason that they had traveled down the river in the first place was sacrificed. They failed to do what they ought to have done. Which was safely transport the cargo. Why? Because they got their own agenda going with what wasn't theirs. They got caught up in a heated race. They failed to remember what the purpose of their existence was and why they were headed there in the first place. God's entrusted each of us with some cargo today cargo that's not ours. And it's not ours to advance our own uh, personal causes or our personal interests. It's not ours to somehow elevate our egos or to make us feel good about ourselves. That's not why God entrusts this cargo into our hands. This is something that we are to take care of. We are simply stewards of it. And God has a place and a purpose in our life. And we need to fulfill that purpose. Be careful you don't get off track. We got that cargo. Let's make sure we fight the good fight as stewards. Good stewards. Faithful stewards. Today, faithful stewards of our time, though. How do you spend your time? You know that time's a commodity, it's the most valuable of all commodities. Do you realize that without time, there is nothing else? You realize that? Without time, there is nothing else. Time is the most valuable of all things. I have my possession here. I have some bills. You might be interested. Do you realize that you are issued only so much time? Do you realize you're only given so many seconds in your lifetime? This bill says, heavenly issue, stewards of time, these are seconds. This is one second. You may have a pocket full of these today. You will spend them how you deem necessary. It says B there. You see on those dollars, they always have Bs or something there. I, this one has a B too. It's B4, it's too late before it's too late, okay? Seconds. God has issued you so many seconds, entrusted you with so many of these bills. They're yours. How will you spend them? You know what else? He's, he's issued some of these to you too. Some minutes. This is a minute. It's only one minute. You can take this bill and, you know, you can use it and it'll only give you one minute. Just one minute all you'd have. Here it is. question is, how are you going to spend it? You know, if you had money in your pocket today, notice I said if. If you had money in your pocket today, you, you'd say, oh, I have only so much to spend. Maybe you have a $10 bill. You'd say, I have $10 to spend. If you have a $20, you'd say, I have $20 to spend. If you've got... 50 cents, you say, I have 50 cents to spend. You only have so much to spend if it's in your pocket today. If you go out, you say, well, I got a credit card. I know, we're not talking about credit. We're talking about actual bills. You only have so much money in your pocket to spend. You can't, you can't spend them over that. Nobody's going to just, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'd like to have three um, double Whoppers, please. <laughs> Here, I have a dollar fifty in my pocket. Here you go. They'd say, I'm sorry, you can't spend, you can't buy three Whoppers because you only have so much money. Well, this is only one minute. How many minutes has God given you? Do you realize the moment you were born, you already knew how much time you had to spend? God knows. You're issued, you're issued how much time you have on this earth. Do you realize not only that, but there's some of these too you've, you were issued probably. Some hours. You were issued some hours. You can spend How do you spend this? How will you spend this hour? Say you have an hour, this hour today. Th- this is your hour. You have it. How are you going to spend it? How are you going to spend it? That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a real question that we need to consider, isn't it? How are you going to spend that hour? God issued you some of these, too. A bunch of days, maybe. There's 365 and a quarter of these in a year. I, I don't know. You've, how many, I've already spent a number of these. I've spent a number of these. I've not always spent them wisely. How about you? How about you? Oh, wait wait a second. Here's, here's another one. There are only so many weeks in your life. There you go. You ever gone on vacation? I went on a vacation one time. It was the worst vacation I think I've ever been on. It, it's not, not because of who I was with, but because of the weather. My kids will recall we went down to Hilton Head one year and um we, we, we ran a place and it literally rained I think every day but one and then when it didn't rain it was only like fifty five degrees and it, the wind was blowing at like sixty miles an hour. I mean the only thing that I got I d I didn't get a sunburn that week. Not no, not even close. I'm talking about I'm talking about the whole week was like this. I didn't get a sunburn. I, I, I got a sand burn. I went to the beach one day hoping just to get something, anything, just to even be able to jump in the water, and all I got was burned by sand. I thought I was in a desert. It was amazing. It was horrible. I I thought to myself, why did I waste my time? Now, now, listen, at least I was with my family. Of course, I was able to work out a lot, and it showed. (laughs) So it wasn't all a loss. Spent some quality time with my kids, beating them at arm wrestling. No, I'm joking. But anyway, we, we we still had a good time in that regard. But but the weather was horrible. Wait, we all have weeks. Weeks to spend. How will you spend your week? Oh, what about this? Oh, oh here we go. Month. This is the month one. How many months did God give you? I don't know. Only you know that one day when you stand before him. And we'll know that too whenever we're standing before your casket. Right? You'll know that too. You'll know that about me. It's already been, it's a done deal. You only have so many of these bills. Only so many. You can't buy these bills. You can't purchase these. Do you realize you're issued them at the beginning of your life and that's all you'll ever have? You'll never have any more than what you started with? You can buy more food. You can buy clothing. You can buy even an education in a sense. You can get buy a degree. You could even buy an ordination piece of paper and says you're ordained if you really wanted to. But the fact is you can't buy this. You can't buy time. Finally, let's just stop with this one. How many of these has God issued to you, given to you? You know, the problem is we don't know, do we? We really don't know how many of these years we have. We don't know how many days we have. We don't know how many weeks or how many months. We don't know how many hours or weeks or days, minutes or seconds God's given us. We don't know. We don't know. But what we know is enough. Let me share with you what we know today. Number one, what we know about time is that no matter what you do, it demands payment. No matter what you do, it demands payment. I don't care what you do. You take your kids to the park, it costs you. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to pay in time. You hang out with the guys, have a beer, the bar, it's going to cost you. You say, why would you say that? Because there's probably people in here that do that. Go see who's running around back here behind me here. There's somebody behind me in this thing. Yeah, one to Thank you. Sounds like little feet. One of your children has gotten loose.
0: <laughs>
1: That's the only reason I'm asking. That doesn't sound like an adult running around back there. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm hearing things. That happens to me sometimes nowadays. I've been I've spent enough of these that that starts happening. No, <laughs> no matter what you do, it demands payment. Do you realize there's only 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in each hour, 60 seconds in every minute? That never changes. Never changes. Time is more valuable than anything you have. Again, name anything that you have that would that would be valuable without time. I can't imagine. I have a lovely wife. I enjoy spending time. We had to take our son down to college uh, the other day, so we drove down to college. That was the you know, like an, a nine-hour drive with stop, and you know, it's like seven and a half, eight hours of actual driving. And, you know, but I, I enjoy just being with my wife in a car for eight nine hours. I have no problem with that. I, I, I enjoy being with her. But here's the thing: as much as I enjoy that, if, if I have no time, it would mean nothing because I have to have I have to spend some of this. I, I have to spend some of this if I'm going to spend time with her, because it, it means nothing. Our relationship means nothing without this. This is the most valuable asset of your life, commodity of your life. Time means nothing. But I have a great marriage. That marriage means nothing without time. It was just a couple kids stealing things. Don't worry about it. Neighborhood children. (coughs) Did you get them saved before they left, brother? All right, good. It's the nursery. They got loose again. But anyway, time is a gift from God, isn't it? It's a gift. It's something he gives us. If we're stewards of everything God gives us, his possessions, uh, his substance, then in a sense, time is his too. Do we really have a right to spend our time as we choose? Or should it always be something that honors God? Okay, number two, what else we know? Uh, we, we know, and listen, there's only three of these. you see how fast this is going? No matter what you do, it demands payment. Number two, concerning time, it will never be enough. We know this. It will never be enough. It doesn't matter how much God has issued you. It'll never be enough. Never. You know, this is boring. I know all this. I know, but do you think about it? Do you really think about it? Because, see, when we really think about time and the limitations that it represents in our lives and the fact that there's only so much that we have and the God that gave it to us, when we really consider it, we meditate on it, we really dwell on it, it affects how we live and act and what we do. I don't think I think about it enough. I waste a lot of time. You say, you do? Absolutely, I do. I, I watched a show the other day. What was the gentleman's name, Sherry? I can't remember. Dr. what? Dr. Ben Carson. I watched a show on Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson is, is a, neurosci- a, neuro- a neurologist. He's one of the most famous neurologists in the world. He's um, divided twins that were jointed at the head. He's done that on a number of occasions. He's He's a very, very successful neurologist. Done tremendous works. When he was a young boy, according to the show at least, and I I think it was fairly accurate, he's a Christian also, by the way, but um, as a young boy, it, it showed him and his brother watching television one day in the house, and his mama came running, and she couldn't read, by the way, but she wanted her children to grow up to have more than she had. She ultimately learned to read. Very smart lady, very wise lady, by the way. She may not have been able to read a book, but she knew life. Nonetheless, she comes into her house, raising her children on her own, and she sees them watching television one day, She she walks up, she shuts the television off, and she says, you will pick two shows a week that you want to watch, and you will read two books a week, and give a report on at least one of those every week. Can you imagine that? The kids went crazy. The one boy was like, what, mama, that's crazy! He went nuts, just like most kids would have. She said, nope, that's it. You're going to the library and you're going to read. I don't think it was too successful. He's a neurosurgeon. His brother's an engineer. Do you understand what I'm saying? All I'm saying is she made up her mind as a parent. She was going to determine how her children spent their time. I don't know about you, but I waste time. They were wasting time. I waste time. Do you? You know, we, no matter how busy we are, I think there's time that some, we could probably spend more wisely. Again, we only have so much of it. Psalm chapter 90, verse 9 through 10. Turn there if you would, please. We're almost done. We really don't have much longer. Psalm chapter 90, verse 9. <clears throat> Again, it'll never be enough. You say, if I could, some of these young people, if I could only live to be 70. Me, I promise you it won't be enough. I can only live to be sixty-five or sixty or eighty or a hundred if I can live to be a hundred. No, never be enough. Never be enough. That's what the Bible says. For all our days, Psalm chapter ninety, verse nine through ten, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. That's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, that's eighty. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. What's he saying? Doesn't matter how long you live, it's like you just, you just soon fly away. It's like you never were here at all. It's like it never happened. Do you get it? Oh, I know, I know young men like this. Stand up, you guys. They, they've got their whole... Not you two in the back, you're old. This. <laughs> These young guys right here, Look at them. They're young and they've got their health. Hold on a second. It's easy to think in their minds if they're not careful. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I've got years to spend and and I've got a lifetime to live. And if I could live to... oh, Do you realize already there's only so many of these that are issued? It doesn't matter. Live a hundred years. It'll seem like... Just like that. It's never enough. It's never enough. If I can live to be like Abraham. Oh. Over a hundred years old. Never enough. I know. If I can live like Methuselah. (laughs) Over 900 years old. Just like that. So he said, no, that's impossible. Yeah, because when you get ready to check out and you've used your last few for payment, you'll be like, I want some more. I need more. It's not enough. Thanks, gentlemen. Not only that, we see concerning time, no matter what you do, it demands payment. It will never be enough. And number three, and finally, it always goes. Too quickly. I don't know about you, but I, I don't matter. It doesn't matter how much money I have. It just goes fast. You ever notice that your money go fast? Guess what goes even faster? Time does, as we've mentioned already. I mean, I don't care. You say a second. That's fast. Yeah. Oh, OK, I know. And, and 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 maybe a minute. That's a little longer, but it's still fast. Let's face it. I mean, we, we've got hours and sometimes hours seem to drag. They can drag and drag. And certainly we know there are days in our life it seems like they'll never end. They'll never end. But they do, don't they? Do you realize you were issued only so many of, so much of this thing called time. Here it is. I don't know how much you were issued. You don't know how much I was issued. Sadly enough, we know people that Weren't issued as much as we'd hoped they were. No matter what, though, it always goes too quickly. James four fourteen says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. Do you realize what it's saying there? It vanishes vanishes us away. It's here, it's gone. Just like that breath you saw in those cold days. Gone. It's always too quick. Always goes too quickly. So how will you spend it then? I'm just curious. You don't have to answer, but in your heart you need to. How will you spend it? This is yours. God's given you some time, that is. How will you spend it? How will you spend this? You're to be a good steward of it. You're to be a good steward. Time's going to run out though. Eternity's going to begin. Use your time wisely. Or you'll regret it then. Hebrews 9.27 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, the judgment. As it is appointed unto men once to die. What's he saying? You have an appointment with death. Do you want to know something? That means you only have so much of these and this to spend. How will you spend it? You say, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a career. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to have a wife and a family. That's a little presumptuous, first of all. You, you don't really know. You, you, I think you need to make big plans, and I think you need to have tremendous goals in your life. But before we make plans, let's make sure that they're God's plans for us, too. Remember, that intelligence you were given doesn't give you a free ticket to use it how you feel. You ought to say, God, you've given me this mind. How can I use it to best suit your purpose? How can I most fulfill your goals and dreams for me i want to be everything you want me to be and i want to use everything you have given me in a means of, by means of honoring you and glorifying you cuz we're all going to die we're all going to spend our last second on earth and then we're going to be in the presence of christ are you saved today do you know for sure when you spend your last second on earth, when you've cashed it in and everything's spent in your account, where will you be? Will you end up in His presence in heaven? Or will you end up separated from God in a place called hell? While you have time, you need to make a decision what you're going to do with his sacrifice on that cross 2,000 years ago. When he died on that cross, he made available heaven. He honestly provided for us forgiveness of sin and the opportunity to be involved, or should I say, as in part of his family. We're all going to spend these. The question is how. And when you've spent the last one, the question is, where will you be? I'm glad that Jesus Christ spent these on me. He was issued 33 years of these. He spent them on me. Yes. Amen. And today, I'm on my way to heaven because of what He did, not what I've done or can ever do. How about you? Do you know for sure heaven's your home? Have you settled your eternal destination? If you died this very moment, would you open your eyes in a place called heaven? I trust you would. In just a moment, the pianist is going to play. And music's going to start, and I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Maybe you've been wasting time as a believer. You've not spent much time in your Bible. You've not spent much time in prayer. You've not spent enough time in God's house. You've been spending time and throwing some of it away. I think all of us could tighten it up a little bit. What decision will you make today? What what will change in your life now that you understand how valuable this commodity is called time is now that you realize you are simply a steward of it it's not really yours to spend without his approval father we come to you we need